The taming of the shrew. The shrew. The taming of 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 the shrew. Conversation with Aaron Dean and I play Baptista Minola. Beautiful. And would you like to read your bio for me? Despite having come to the theatre later in life, Aaron has contributed so much to the Tasmanian theatre community. He's always thinking about how to create opportunities to support young and emerging creatives. If there's one thing you should know about Aaron, is that he is obsessively on time and organised. This quality appears in his performance of Baptista as he obsesses over getting the best deal for his daughters. I think we could all use a bit of Aaron attitude sometimes. That's so sweet. <laughs> uh, how does that make you feel? Oh, it's, it, it's kind of nice to know those sort of qualities that, um, uh, that, that, that define who you are over a long time um, mm. are appreciated. Yeah, and it's it's something. I come from a science background, so um, it works very well um, mm. when you're working um, within the scientific field. Um, but it's actually not so common um, within theatre, and you kind of expect that creatives are free spirits. <laughs> um, but it 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 does help to have that uh, lifetime experience of just getting your shit together. Mm. Um, that uh, is, yeah, it, it's it's something good that I can contribute to the Tasmanian theatre community. I love that. I love that. So it, it, in the bio that was written for you, it, uh, the person said that you came to theatre later. Can you can you tell me a bit about that? How did you come to theatre? Oh, that's a great question, Emily. I actually came to theatre um, as a way to deal with PTSD and um, it was, uh, although I I sort of dealt with PTSD for most of my adult life, but never really knew that I was dealing with it. Mm. So um, when I had an opportunity to find a creative outlet, I tried a few things, but um, theatre not only assisted in um, helping to deal with that, but this is something I always say about what theatre has done for me, um, I'm closer to being the person I want to be because of theatre. I've always been this um, person who um, I'm a lone wolf type. Like Mm. I I, I rely on myself. I've got high standards that I apply to myself. And the one thing, one character flaw I know that I definitely have is that I'm not much of a team player. Mm. So theatre gave me this great opportunity to work collaboratively in a um, respectful, safe place mm-hmm. with people from all different backgrounds and, and experiences. Um, and that's been just so beautiful and life-affirming for me. Do you know, I have to say, Aaron, uh, I resonate so much with with everything that you have just said I have to say that for myself and I 
have mentioned briefly uh, on on the podcast before that I I do have a PTSD diagnosis, and um, I I'm right there with you. I I feel that um, the majority of my life I have preferred to spend time alone, rely on myself, stay perhaps for fear of being vulnerable in community. I'm not sure. And I do feel that this this podcast has been, or this project has been a vehicle for me to engage with wonderful, like-minded people uh, in an open and honest and and truly vulnerable way that is, and you saying that you're becoming the person that you want to be. I, I feel that too. That's I feel excellent. myself growing every day into a person that that I, I think was trapped or afraid for so long. To uh, th- that person was so afraid to come out and yeah. So I absolutely, as yeah. I think that that's such a beautiful sentiment, such a beautiful experience. Well, but the one thing I, I I realized is that fear is actually a lovely thing. Mm-hmm. It's an energy that you can reform and and shape for your own purpose. It's just energy. Mm-hmm. And and you can harness that and project it in the way you want to project that. And it the outcomes can be pretty extraordinary. In many ways, I think um, PTSD has been a lifesaver for me. Wow. In that I've been able to actually think about the things I internalize and um and and find solutions sometimes it's like little step-by-step things Mm, but mm. that's where theater is wonderful because it's also an opportunity to get out from within yourself Mm. and 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 be in this great space and doing fun things and you know a lot of people would consider theater to be to actually performing on stage to be one of the most terrifying things you can do absolutely i can't imagine (laughs) i can't imagine so to actually do it and love it and revel in the environment is so empowering i'm so i'm sure i'm i'm sure and watching watching all of you together you all seem so joyous it's such a such a joyful experience and it makes it does I, I I do remember yesterday you know taking photographs and watching everybody and and thinking wow okay I think I get it I think I think I get why people put themselves out there you know there's this idea of perhaps ego or wanting to be wanting to be noticed hmm. or but at the, at the core of it, all all I saw was fun. Yes. I think it's such a human thing too. It's it's actually quite, um, uh, it sort of goes back to the sort of dawn of humanity, mm. this idea that sh- that disparate people from, di- from different backgrounds come together for a, a, a collective goal, something they're all aspiring to. And there's the, the joy in the process of getting there. And then there's the, exhilaration of having achieved it it's um it's it's quite extraordinary it's it's one of the most human things i've ever done oh, uh, yeah it, to be human <laughs> yeah to be human and to feel human that's it amazing Don't explore these characters who are not you mm. so you have an opportunity to 
empathize because you have to love your character no matter how villainous they might be, how <laughs> flawed they might be. You have to love your character and understand where they're coming from. And that's why empathy is so important. If it, you can't yes. empathize, yeah. then how can you fully immerse yourself in that person? That's right. And that's why theatre, I think, is another reason it's so lovely is that through the process of empathy, you learned to... Uh, to give away, to, to put aside things like resentment mm. um, and your prejudices as well. There's an opportunity to acknowledge that they exist. And Which then, is often the hardest part. It is, but it's fundamental to, mm. a, to any, anything awareness. that you want to overcome is that awareness. Um, and theatre is such a wonderful medium to do that. I'd love to ask you about the character that you play. Mm. Um, a father, mm. father of two daughters. Yes. <laughs> how how do you relate to him? I don't have children, um, but I have lots of young people in my life, and um, uh, as a young person myself, um, strong role models, strong figures of uh, that that carries a evolved moral compass were instrumental in my life. Uh, and um, so I, uh, that's often what I look towards when I'm playing a father character. In this role in particular, and I should say that every Shakespearean production I've ever played in, apart from Macbeth, uh, I play a, a kind of wound up father to a wayward daughter. This time <laughs> I've got two. But each time, and, and Shakespeare does this a lot, um, the fathers of daughters tend to be single dads. And that's what Baptista oh. is in this as well. So I not, didn't know that. Yeah, so n not only is he in, in, invested in his daughter's welfare, but he's, he's all his life been parenting both roles mm. uh, um, as, as a father and a mother. Um, he's also invested in his daughter's education. He likes the fact that they're strong-willed uh, and um, uncompromising. <laughs> that's that's excellent. And you know, he he uh, in Shakespearean times, a father who would invest in his daughter's education was a rare thing. Mm. So I quite like playing Baptista, and this is uh, something I've looked at in developing his character for this play is someone who's not just out there to, you know, get get rid of the daughters. Mm. Um, and I think that's particularly something you see in the very last scene where Baptista suddenly realises he's married off both daughters in one week and he'll be on his own after that. Oh, so it's kind of a bittersweet moment for him. He's proud of his daughters. He's happy for the life they're going to live. But there's a sudden realisation that he's on his own now and no matter his wealth, um, that he'll have this emptiness. Um, it's it's a little bit sad, but sweet. <laughs> oh gosh, that feels. That's uh, you know I I don't know that uh, much about Shakespeare in in general. Um, I had a uh, I, I uh, my second major at uni was literature, and uh, mm -hmm. literature ruined Shakespeare for me. <laughs> because I do not believe it should be read. I believe it should be played. Mm. Uh, I'm rediscovering how wonderful it is currently. My perception of the father 
was one of a, la a, a lack of awareness, not, not understanding that he was potentially hurting his daughters. Mm. Um, and for you to, to look at it from a completely different point of view and play him from a completely different point of view, I think is quite beautiful in that way you the, the father is sacrificing for his children yes look and he is a wealthy merchant so this idea of um having multiple um uh young men interested in <laughs> vying for his youngest daughter in particular he sees this as an opp opportunity to leverage this and and initially I joked about, you know, that uh, Kate was this sort of um, old stock that he had to move before he could, <laughs> <laughs> he could bring the new model onto the floor and sell that off. Um, um, that partly plays into that and, it, and it's important in those scenes when the, uh, the young quarters are there um, and that's an element of his personality that comes out. But it's only really later on when he sees that this is – He's actually able to do this. He's actually able to get the best deal for his daughters and make mm. sure that they're taken care of. There, that they're. That's really what is, any parent wants. It ultimately comes down to that. Yeah, yeah. It's and it, it is a wonderful thing to play. But what I love about what uh, what Katrina has done with her direction here, and uh, I know she's used the word problematic. Um, in relation to Taming of the Shrew because of the, those particular issues. But there's a subtext. And I think you have to remember that um, when Taming of the Shrew was written, Elizabeth I was queen and she was this powerful woman who we know uh, had seen Shakespearean plays. In fact, Midsummer Night's Dream was actually performed um, for the first time in front of uh, Elizabeth I. So what might seem subversive or uh, controversial mm. today, back then would have seen, be seen as different mm. and been played differently. And I think that's what we're actually doing a little bit more of here. Kate actually wins out in the end. She's, she's got the money. She's got the guy that she wants. And they're the type of couple that oh, you just know they have. Hot, angry sex. <laughs> <laughs> They're having a great Which is time. what everyone yeah, deserves. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and she's also released as well. Um, the, I think the attraction between them is the fact that they're both shrewish. <laughs> and that actually, um, the, the fact that those two come together the way they do is actually lovely. Um, neither of them is submissive. And uh, will will yield to the other, and that's what attracts them to each I other. I like that. I like that a lot. I'm thinking back to the recording of the key lines, and I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm feeling them more strongly now mm. with your description, your interpretation. Um, I have to say thank you so much. Thank you for sitting down to record with me. I'm very grateful. Not at all, Emily. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. This was local with The Taming of the Shrew Treasure Chest. Local would not be possible without the incredible community of folks who make time to chat. I'd like to thank Stencil Productions, the cast and crew for welcoming me into their space. Honour the charity performance produced prior to opening night, of which 100% of the evening's profits went to supporting Share the Dignity, an important initiative with the goal to end period poverty and inequality.
And finally, the beautiful Peacock Theatre. You were a wonderful building to inhabit for the week. The podcast is produced by Carter Pierce and myself. Our artwork was created by Gigi Gortz. The podcast is funded in part by the Regional Arts Fund. For more information on the podcast and its guests, please go to localthepodcast.com or localthepodcast on Instagram and Facebook. You can watch for Stencil Productions' next work at stencilproductions.com and Stencil Productions on Facebook and Instagram. To support Share the Dignity, please go to sharethedignity.org.au.